Well, today we're going to spend just a few moments with the Apostle Peter as he recorded his words in what we call 1 Peter, it's chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. Let's be standing. This is the Word of God written so long ago, but written for us as well. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at, the right, at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. May God bless the reading of his word. When the renowned theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, visited the United States, he was asked if he could sum up in just a few words the message of his most famous work, Church Dogmatics. Church Dogmatics was a 14-volume set of theology. Still buy it today. I notice it still cost over $600. It's about this long. So someone said, well, can you just sum all that up? Millions of words. Can you sum it up in just a few words? Bart said, yes. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now, one of the marks of genius is to be able to summarize something and to go back to the very basics And so many times we spend our time out around the edges and and looking at all the finer points that we are not reminded of what the basics are. Our lives are so complex these days. So much technology, so many things to do. Uh, I remember when I was a kid uh, that I used to, in school, sometimes they'd talk about what the future was going to be like. They talk about all these conveniences that we would have. And, and I had this picture that basically once we got all this technology, all we'd have to do is just sit around and do nothing. How many of y'all are sitting around doing nothing? <laughs> or you see the, the, the Wally. If any of you watch the movie Wally, where the people are up in the spaceship and they're riding around in the little chairs and all that kind of stuff. Hasn't happened yet. It just seems like the more we add, then the faster things go and the more that we're doing. So today, what we're going to do is to just take a deep breath and settle down and go back and look at some basics. Look at the basics of the gospel. The Apostle Peter wrote these words to people who were greatly upset by what was going on in their lives, and he wanted to remind them that the simple message of the gospel is really the answer and that we must be grounded in that. And this must be where we live because truly this is what will give us life. So what we're going to do today is just work basically back through this passage and, and look at the basic truths that 
Peter is pointing out as we go along. It begins in verse 18. And by the way, if you are someone that likes to memorize Scripture or someone that occasionally feels like, you know, I probably need to memorize some Scripture, let me recommend to you 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It's a short verse and one that will bless you greatly as you carry it around in your heart for these reasons. It begins by saying, for Christ also suffered for sins. And the basic truth that he's pointing out there is that the suffering of Jesus was sacrificial. Now, in our day and time, it's a little hard to understand a sacrificial system. But this one little statement here reminds us that the Bible proposes a worldview. And the worldview is this, that God created everything and he created it all good, including us. However, somewhere along the way, something went wrong. And what went wrong was that we decided that we could pretty much handle things on our own. That we get busy with life or sometimes we're just outright rebellious. That we decide that we know what's best for us. We forget to look at the ways of God. We make the decisions based on who we are, what we want, what we think is good. And that kind of lifestyle, that kind of living, just like back with Adam and Eve when he said, don't touch that tree. And they said, we don't see why not. It looks good. That way of living is sin. And sin breaks the relationship between us and God. Now, that's part of the worldview. The explanation about why everything is not just wonderful, why there is pain and suffering and why there are struggles in life. The Bible's answer for that is that we haven't lived in step with God. We haven't lived in relationship with God. Now, the other part of that that this brings up is that God established a sacrificial system. He said that sacrifices will have something to do with this sin that we have decided to live in, the way that we have chosen to live life. So back in the the Old Testament, he set up where the, the people of the covenant would bring animals and sacrifice them, and that seems so foreign to us, but that was all building up to this time when the ultimate sacrifice was given, The sacrifice that really did take away the problem of sin, and that sacrifice was Jesus Christ. So one of the basic truths of the gospel is that the suffering of Jesus was sacrificial, and that by his dying on the cross, even though we may not be able to explain it or understand it in its finest detail, we accept by faith that that had something to do with the sinful life that I have found myself in, with the rebellion against God, with the feeling of being estranged or far away from God, that God's answer is the sacrifice of Jesus. The next little statement in 1 Peter 3.18 says, this was done once for all. In other words, the sacrifice of Jesus, the death of Jesus, was ultimately effective. It not only reached back into the past, as we're going to see in the next verse, but it also moved into the future. That this one act that happened 2,000 years ago, that God did that for you. He saw you coming. He saw me coming. And he said, you know, those people living in San Angelo, Texas, in the year 2012, 
almost said 11, in the year 2012, they're going to need to come back to me. They are going to need a way that the failures of their life, the rebellions of their life, the shortcomings of their life can be made right and whole. And so the death of Jesus, it's a basic truth that it is ultimately effective. It did the job once and for all. Moving on, he says, the righteous for the unrighteous. And the basic truth is that Jesus' suffering and his death was vicarious. That sinful living, sinful way of living, my rebellion against God brings death into my life. Ultimately, it brings death into my life, but it brings death into my life on a daily basis. As I push myself away from God, as I live according and under my own power, my own steam, I die a little daily. And yet Jesus was willing to die that death for me. Now, that's not fair. But one of the basic truths of the gospel is that Jesus was more into love than fair. That he decided that he would do this even though he was taking the penalty for our sins upon himself. That he was willing to do that. Now it's interesting if you can allow me just to digress for a moment. I guess you don't have much choice, do you? You can tune out for a little bit if you want to. But it's interesting that, that the reason Peter is preaching the gospel right here, the reason that Peter is giving the basics of the gospel, is because the people he's writing to were suffering a lot of unfairness in their life. They were being treated in shameful ways. And if you back up a few verses and read that, you'll see that, that they had all kinds of things going on. And they said, this isn't fair. We're trying to be good folks. We're trying to do things right. And yet things just keep going wrong. People are treating us unfairly. And one reason that, that he's preaching the gospel is to let us know that, well, Jesus was more into love than fairness. And because he was willing to accept our shortcomings and our failures then we must be willing to accept the fact that we also will suffer because of other people's shortcomings and failures. That because Jesus was willing to embrace us even though we were far less than perfect, then out of gratitude to him and out of realizing that he is the example for our lives, we embrace other people even though they fail us and they have shortcomings in their lives as well. It's a basic principle of living the Christian life is that I'm not perfect. I've messed up. God loves me. You're not perfect. You messed up. But I love you. Anyone out there married? Buy into that truth, okay? Because that truly brings life to marriage is realizing our own imperfections and the imperfections of our mate and yet, because Jesus died in our place, then we too can accept that and embrace others with their shortcomings and problems. All right. Next statement, he says, in order to bring you to God. All of this was to usher you in and bring you in to where God was able to embrace you and to call you his child. Now, I want to tell you something. Sometimes this is the hardest part of our faith to really buy into and to accept. Is that God really does embrace you as his child. Because we know ourselves too well. 
And because we know ourselves too well and we know the thoughts that go through our head, we know that the, the actions that we do, we know our own shortcomings, we really doubt that God can be that happy with us, that God can really call us his beloved child. Well, anytime you feel that way, just stop and think. That old preacher that was standing up there one day told me this. That when I feel estranged from God, if I'm someone that has believed the gospel, has become a part of God's family, who has been embraced by God as a child, if I feel that I'm not that way, it is because I'm trusting in myself more than Jesus. That I'm trusting in who I am rather than in who he is. And it's because of who he is that we are reconciled to God. I gave an illustration in first service. I've already taken a lot of grief over this illustration, but I'm going to do it again, all right? Because when I think of this, I think of a little incident in my life that's, I know it's silly, but you'll get it, all right? But I have a friend who is friends with Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, okay? I am not a friend of Jerry Jones, so don't give me a hard time, all right? My friend is a friend of Jerry Jones, all right? But my friend had these tickets to the Cowboys games. And when we lived in East Texas, there were, you know, several times we'd go to the Cowboy game. And, and Randy, my friend, would take me down and we'd stand there in the front row as the, the players were warming up pregame and all. And Jerry would see Randy and go, hey, Randy. And Randy would go, hey, Jerry. And Randy, Jerry said, come on down. So here I'd go with him, and I got to walk around on the field with the Cowboys while they were warming up. I'm something, huh? (laughs) But all the time I knew that it wasn't because it was me. You can imagine what would have happened with the security guards if I had tried to get on the field under my own power. I was there because of who my friend was and because he had the invitation. And any time we're living our lives feeling like we're just totally unworthy, we'll never make it, God will never love me, remember who you're friends with. Remember that it's because who He is that you are there. Because of who He is, God truly loves you and embraces you as His child. Now, before I move on, let me make a note. I am not saying Jerry Jones is God. I had six or seven people accuse me of that. I hope you got the meaning of the illustration, okay? (laughs) We're there because of our friend. Moving on. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The basic truth is that Jesus' death was transcended by his resurrection. Yes, his death is a central part of the gospel of Christ. But if without the resurrection, it would have been nothing. Because in his resurrection, God showed his power that God can overcome death. Now, that is great news in so many ways in our life. Because every one of us in this room have said goodbye to someone that we love. And that we have have realized that they are no longer walking this earth with us. And what a great comfort it is to know that, that the death that was died, died by, by Jesus was overcome by the life in God in his resurrection. And the promise is that those who live and love him, well, their death will be overcome by resurrection as well. It's also a great comfort to us 
Because we realize that given that Jesus, if, other than Jesus returning earlier before our death, we're walking that same valley. There will be some day when people are saying goodbye to us. But we can close our eyes with that last time knowing that we will open our eyes and see God and see our Savior. That there is life after death. But that's not all of the truth that this has. This is that, that, that just sin is death. And as we die these little deaths daily, and as we fail daily, and as there are times in our life we think we'll never get over this, we can never move on, that the resurrection of Christ continues to bring us life. And that's his promise. That the times of failure in our lives are overcome by the victory that is in the life of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, in a rather strange verse, and we'll run through this very quickly. If you think I'm going to answer every question you can come up with about this verse, well, I'm sorry, I can't. But it says, in which, after Jesus' resurrection, he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. And the ones he's talking about here are these evil beings that were on the earth during the time that Noah was getting ready uh, for the flood. But God had decided that the world was so bad, he was just going to cleanse the world of all of its wickedness. So Noah was building an ark, and Noah was going to be saved because of his righteousness and because of his family. And so while Noah was building the ark, these other people had a chance to respond to the preaching of that gospel, but they never did. And so because of their evil then, they died in the flood and they have been in prison ever since. Well, it's interesting that when Jesus, after all was accomplished and evil had been dealt with, according to the scripture, he even went to wherever they are and announced to them God's final plan and how God had answered the problem of sin and wickedness and evil in the world. It goes on to say, that in which a few, the ark, that is, eight persons were saved through water. Now, what does it mean they were saved through water? Well, the water came and washed away all the evil and established once again the creation of God and the purity that God meant for it to be. Didn't last long, (laughs) but there it was, a second chance. Basic truth is the effects of Jesus' death and his resurrection are far-reaching. And they reach not only uh, forward to us, as we were talking about, but all the way back even, to those who had been sinful before. One more thing here, 1 Peter 3, 21. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you. What does that mean? Well, just as God used water to wash away the evil of the world, now he has chosen to use water to symbolize as a prefiguring the washing away of the evil within you as well. And so for God has chosen, well, let me move on and say this, not as a removal of dirt from the body. It's not that you just get wet. That's not it. But it is an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That this is the way God has chosen for us to reach out to him. We often hear the expression, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, how do you do that? Well, according to this verse, the appeal to God is through the waters of baptism. And that just as God chose water to cleanse the earth, he has chosen in his wisdom, in his mysterious will to say, okay, if you want to be a part of my family, here's what you do. And it's just like whenever I wash the earth clean, I will wash you clean as well. So God's chosen vehicle, God's chosen response that he calls on us to make is baptism. And the final verse, verse 22 
Jesus, through his resurrection, he's now gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Here Peter reaches his crescendo and he says, Did you know that every being in the universe is now subject to Jesus as Lord? However, there are a few of us running around that can still decide it's not going to be true in our lives. So the basic truth is that Jesus is Lord. And the call to us is to sanctify Christ as Lord in your life as well. Now, folks, that is about as, as, as short a presentation and a plain a presentation as I can make on the gospel following the lead of the apostle Peter. That, yes, there are things in this world that are wrong. Yes, I'm a part of the problem. But the whole answer is found in Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection. And that whenever I embrace that death and resurrection through the saving power that God has invested in the response of baptism, then I have sanctified Christ as my Lord. And if we can live with that basic knowledge and that basic assurance, knowing that all of this happened not because of who we are, but because of who He is, then throughout the complexities of our life, throughout the times when things are not good, then we know that it's okay and it is well with our soul. Let's stand and sing.